already know what time it is. in the bed, horsepower in the hood, Flintstones with the ledge, celebrate good times, handstand on the keg, with the crown on locks, not the shit that you dread, new growth I can measure in months, got you sitting in the corner with the cap like a dunce, but at once, make gold like my tooth in the front, and I've been hella tatted cause I do what I want, I what I want. sway God with the abracadabra, every time I'm on the Welcome beat, back to like the podcast. Everyone, we're back at a third wheel podcast studio. Um, you might be seeing me switching between my studio, the Union, in downtown Seattle, and here at a University District Third Wheel. Um, both are also podcast studios. If any of you guys are looking to record a, a podcast just like me, so don't hesitate to reach out. Today, my guest is a, he's a hip hop producer and a hip hop artist, and he's about to. Have you released it yet, your new project on vinyl? So this is an, an older project that we're re-releasing mm-hmm. on vinyl. But yeah, we're getting ready to drop it soon. Hell you know, yeah. Within the next 20 or so days. You know, it's a 30-day campaign. Hell yeah, there we go. Doing, so. so vinyl used to, used to be like the main thing for albums. So what do you think changed to the point like now it's actually kind of like something special to do yeah. versus it being like the way you just had to do it before? I don't know. I think like a couple, there's a couple different artists that might have set the precedent. But mm. when you understand how vinyl works, especially in conjunction with the streaming model, which right. is pretty, streaming model leaves a lot to be desired. You know what I'm saying? But like vinyl, I think vinyl became viable again when certain artists within my realm figured out that a little bit goes a long way. Yeah. So if you do basic supply and demand with vinyls, you know, even if you do limited runs of vinyls, at a decent price, uh, you're able to get a lot more than your streams. And, you know, it's just a very, it's, it's dope to hold the music in your hand. You know, a lot of times yeah. people need tangible music and it's even cooler to see it go from the mind to the hand. Yeah, it's you the, know what I'm saying? It's like the thousand uh, fan model, you know? I follow that a million percent. You know? yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you know what it is because I tell people all the time, like, yo, would you rather have a hundred thousand Fairweather fans, you know, or a hundred thousand like fans without jobs, without sources of income? Or just a thousand real fans on top of that that are willing to just spend ten dollars a month. Yeah. And 100%. then you're set for a year, you know? That's that's really what it's about. So I also been thinking about like what would it take for I always use this example and some people get heated about it, but mm. this is the only real example I can really think of. But like, do you know who Alex Jones is by any chance? Yeah, of course, yo. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I don't follow Alex too deeply by any means, but he's like, entertaining to say the least. Hell you know, yeah. like as a form of entertainment. <laughs> That's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because he's been uh, blocked from every social media, mm-hmm. he solely uses his website. For supplements and shit. Mm-hmm. And drive all his traffic there and blogging and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I always think about, like, what would it take for an artist to be able to live solely off their website? Yeah. You know? But I guess you would need to build a fan base to begin with. Like, he had a fan base. and For sure. He was on radio, he was on TV, and he was able to bring it over there. But, like... If you're an up and coming artist, I feel like maybe you have to be on social media to, so people know who you are and then bring them to like, it's yeah. like a, like how big do you have to be? Or can you start from 
like when you first start, you're like, I want to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Maybe you start handing out hand cards and never, I'm not hand cards, I mean Yo, business cards. Crazy and you're like, thing. check Yo, out my website. So I used to do that a long time ago, right? Like I had like 2015, I went on Vistaprint and I had these cards that just said, fuck you with my website, right? Yeah. And th- this is like, I've never spoke about this before, but this is like, you know, it has no, no idea what it is. You know, people might see it and just be like, Yo, what the fuck is this? And, you know, at the time I was living in New York. So like yeah. a lot of this, every once, one out of five people didn't react right to it. You know, like <laughs> you pass it to them and they'd just be like, yo, fuck, no, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I think that it's hard to navigate social media. Like if it was up to me, mm. I wouldn't have it. You know, I try to use it very limited Yeah. and I try to just not, um, overdose my supporter base with too much content. Cause it, it gets really hard. I try to make it so that, um, whenever I'm posting something, it's it's a, somewhat relevant to the music, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, there are a couple artists that um just as a fan that I've kind of like studied that are able to get around without social media, and it, it's 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 a hard thing to do. But it just makes you think about the time before social media, where like the good dope would have word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know. Like you have a project and you you had to go and show it to a friend, and there are certain people out there, even though you might need social media, just keep releases in order. Yeah. But there's people out there who are able to maneuver without it somehow. And, like, I'd hope to get to that level, but it, it takes a lot. I was recently watching um, uh, a documentary on um, DJ Drama and yeah. his come up. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like being, like, a mixtape DJ, it doesn't really hold the same value anymore. But it used to, like, it got to a point in the early 2000s that, like, it scared record labels. Oh, for sure. You yeah. know, like, um, there was, I, when was it? I, I'm going to completely butcher it. I want to say between 2005 and 2010, um, when DJ Drama was really coming up, um, one of the rec labels, like, like, uh, what, what is it called? They like called up the, um, who do they fuck? They basically called up the feds and said that DJ Drama was like illegally moving like CDs. Like, um, oh, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, they raided his shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and th- that's crazy I was watching, to think hold about. On, that. Not even cut you off. I was watching Static Selector, right? Mm-hmm. Who's another DJ? He's from Boston, and he was talking about that era when they started cracking down. And uh, Clinton Sparks used to run a website. This isn't like dry snitch or anything. It's like public record. But like he used to run a website called Mix Unit, which mm-hmm. was like kind of like a bootlegging website. And uh, Static Selector said when all of that shit went down, he called Clinton Sparks like, "Yo, what are you gonna do?" And he was like under the assumption they were tapping the phone. So he's like, "What well, about what? You're, like, you know, like what are you gonna do? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like click." So. Yeah, shit was serious, show. But you know the mixtape shit. And that was, was word of mouth, you know. What that's I mean? what I'm saying. But that's where it was at, because it was like there was a, there was an era before it got to that piff. I remember when that piff was revolutionary. It was brand new. Hmm. You had hot new hip hop. You had that piff. You had a couple different ones. But back in the day, before all of those mixtapes got uploaded, we got all the Dipset mixtapes off the street. Hmm. You know, or LimeWire. Like somebody had to buy it off the street and upload it to LimeWire. You you familiar with LimeWire? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that shit's crazy. Or like um. Even Kevin Hart, like one way he became such a big touring act is that every show he'd like have people sign up to his email newsletter, you know, like things like that. I don't know if artists take that into consideration or not. They should, yo, because it's like any time that I feel like social media isn't getting a point across, you got to try to find another way. Like I maintain an email list and I try not to abuse it. Yeah. You know, but I have one on deck just that I've collected over the last six or seven years, Mm. you know. And if anyone's listening, please email me and don't DM. Like I just spent, I'm not afraid to admit this. I just spent $400 to renew my website, Yeah, you know, like the domain, getting the business email back up. How many years did you renew it for? It was, it's only every two, I only do it for every two years. Yeah. So like my two, I first got in 2020. So now the time just came around to like renew it for another two years. And I'm like, I'm spending $400 
every two years to have this website and then people just feel like they can dm me yeah i'm like come on i, nah, I, I feel <laughs> you. man i feel you bro because it's like i got the i have my domain my know what i mean dot org yeah yeah and i did like org to like let it stand out a little bit and um yeah it's just sometimes it's just like i don't pay this amount of money per month to maintain this email use it it's official and it's like you know particular emails that email helps me fi file music related shit mm -hmm. you know oh, you could curse right yeah yeah, yeah yeah so it helps me it helps me file music related stuff so i'm like yo if it's important like <laughs> you're like can you swear email. and then you censor yourself the next time <laughs> but you, you know how it is yeah. you see sometimes you see the requests like mm -hmm. you, you know your dm requests and stuff like that and it's like for certain things it's like yo just um if you want that response it's better off to email. there's no way i'm not going to see the email yeah i might not see the request and if i do it's like weeks later but i, I am going to see the email mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying I love that your your uh, websites your your ad lib. That's yeah, good. That's, that's yo, great. but the ad lib shit is just like that took a life of its own. It mm -hmm. wasn't supposed to be all of that, and it just became that all the time. Yeah. You know, like most good things. You yeah. know, nicknames and all of that. You can't just be naming yourself a nickname, in my opinion. So let's let's talk about your background and how you actually became Suede God. You yeah. know what I mean? So <laughs> you're you're originally from New York, and yeah. just from uh, even the first time listening, I I could tell there were new york influences i just didn't know if it was a thing where you were from seattle and gathered new york influences or if yeah. you were from new york and then came to seattle with those influences but for sure but then, yeah that plus there's, there's seattle influences there too mm -hmm. you know i feel i feel like a little bit i bridged the gap between the coast because i'll go back to the east coast and it's like i'm to some of my homies on the east coast i'm more of a west coast mm. underground rapper even though i do have those east coast influences there is an element of like that laid back like west coast style that I've accumulated just while being here and like adapting to the pace over the last like five or so years, you know? So, yeah. So what was it like growing up in, in New York and what part I've had, um, mm -hmm. like any hip hop fan right now, everyone's been obsessed with Griselda, you oh, know? Oh yeah, like, for sure. I, um, I've had Jay Skis on who's- um, You had Jay Skis on? Yeah. Bye. Um, who, drum if, work. If people don't know, Drum Work, which is Conway the Machine's record label. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've had Mitch Arizona who is- one of Jay Ski's like main producers. Yeah, I've heard of Mitch Arizona for sure. And um, I've been obsessed. I've been telling people I've been obsessed with the New York scene and the Chicago scene. So it's cool mm -hmm. to see a, a New Yorker living in. Yo, Seattle. but let me tell you something about it. Like just the way that the city is set up. Those guys are from upstate. Right. So like Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, I've been to Buffalo. I used to have family there a long time ago, and uh, we would go to Niagara Falls sometimes, and that's right on the border of Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, the up upstate has that shit on lock because mm -hmm. there's even people in Rochester, Buffalo, all the surrounding areas making like. The, the golden age revivalist kind of stuff and then the city is definitely a wave in the city it's not as like traditional it's a little bit more i don't want to drop too many names but like you ever heard of like mike mm. or like there's a lot of people who it's i, I could show you some shit later okay, yeah, you know yeah. but uh but other than that it's straight up drill shit right, right you know like the stuff that you hear like blaring out of people's cars and windows is a lot of drill stuff bronx brooklyn and do you like drill yeah, I like drill. I mean, I enjoy drill. You know, it gives me a certain amount of energy. But like, even when the Chicago shit was coming up, like yeah. I'm not too big on um on guns. You know, like part of that is like we, you know, you lose people coming yeah. up. You know, it's like it's 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 a reality. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like as much as I love drill, it's kind of like some of. The, and I'm not trying to like you know downplay anybody because they're telling their story, but it's just like you see the cycle. And like you get a little bit older and you just remember that like it's every generation. It's like, yo, the 16 year olds are wilding out yeah. more so than the one before, you know? So it's like as much as I love drill, I understand that it is perpetuating like a lot of the violence between the young kids and they're not really in a position to see. That's why I don't fault anybody. They're not in a position to see far enough to realize that um, 
you know it's a cycle you know what i'm saying but do you think drill is different than like gangster rap like when when older people are like yeah. hip-hop these days you think they're thinking of drill music or do you think they're thinking nah, of just like think, like nwa like what do you think yeah. older people are still thinking of well older people i think they they don't really understand what drill is you know like if you have i think drill's been around long enough it's been 10 years you know mm -hmm. like chief the chief keith chicago boom bang bang yeah exactly that was 2012 late 2011 2012 that that really like swept the world and then it kept evolving. It goes to London. It comes back to the East Coast, and it's a whole new new thing. So I feel like drill is just really about the energy, yeah, in conjunction with the content. You know, whereas like NWA and Ice Cube, they could be talking about the same stuff, but it's like barbecue music. Like you know, yeah. we're cooking, we're cooking out, we're we're lifting weights in the front yard, we're doing stuff like that. Where drill is kind of like just turned up to the max. You know, <laughs> the younger kids have a lot more energy. And I wonder. Maybe I feel like drill doesn't do as much sampling either. Well, you know now I mean? the new drill, a lot of the stuff like from the Bronx or like Shawnee Bin Laden, who's from Queens. And it's weird how samples work, right? Like, mm -hmm. cause like as a producer, I don't like sampling anything that's like over 20, under 20 years old. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like you hear some of the samples and it's like, yo, this is new, but they're old to the younger kids. So you might hear like, you know, the new Cardi B, K Flock shit has yeah, yeah, Akon yeah. belly dancer sample. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But over a drill beat. And then you have like uh, B Love sampling Mary J. Blige over a drill beat. So they're sampling, but they're not going, for them, they're going as far back mm -hmm. to their childhood. That was like Mary J. Blige was their car seat music, yeah. you know? So now you got like my everything, which has the singing, but the drill beat. It's, it's, yo, it's interesting. I, I, I love it. Just like being like a sample based kind of like traditionalist, quote unquote, producer. I, I love hearing the sample drill shit, you know? Shout out to Shawnee Bin Laden. He kind of was one of the first ones. Yeah. I've heard do that justice, you know. Yeah, you're right. I, you're right. I've been checking those guys out as well. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the Cardi B one was pretty dope too. Yeah, yo, because like Aegon Belly Dancer was a slot, was yeah. a smash when it dropped. You yeah. Know? So, um, on the more mainstream pop side, you even have, um, uh, fuck Jack Harlow yeah. with his new uh, the glamorous song. You know, it's just yeah, completely exactly. no. It's called First Class, mm -hmm. and then sampling glamorous by Fergie. You know. Yeah. Like, so that's what I mean by that. It's like those are newer songs for us but no but it's been like 20 years 15 20 years so yeah. they're like almost in the domain where you could get away with sampling them because it's like i'll go digging and i'll see an album and i'll be like shit this came out three years ago these artists are still actively touring and mm -hmm. i'm not trying to you know so that's like the way my moral code goes yeah. about everybody doesn't doesn't have that though you yeah know? so but what is cool too i've seen a lot of um older artists like who was it i don't want to say that the temptations who was it Basically, fuck, was it the Temptations? Are the Temptations still still Yo, alive? All those, yeah, all of those bands still kind of tour. And, yeah, you know they do like little Vegas EQC. You might yeah. catch them at the EQC. They've been know? they've been working with um, maybe it is the Temptations. Um, one of those older like 60s, 70s bands mm -hmm. have been working with like hip hop artists as of lately. Like um, there's this one with um Lucky Day. Yeah, and they just completely like remix one of their old songs, but that band was still part of the record. Yo, that's Which fire, I thought yo. was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Because, you know, with sampling, it's like... And the, my beef about people completely, like, debating sampling or, like, blocking rapper samples, like, when it was when it was newer, you know, like, Sting blocking I'll Be Missing You remix. Mm. You know, like, I wouldn't know who Sting was until I heard that version first. Like, every time you sample something, you're breathing new life into it. Yeah. You put in a whole nother generation on. Like, I find all of these bands, 1970s Japan, 1980s France, all, all of this shit, just listening to music, digging for samples. And uh, if it wasn't for sampling, you know, like I might not be giving them a Spotify play or even sometimes I find some shit. I'm like, oh, they got a band camp and I, I know I'm going to sample it. So I buy the album. Yeah. Just to feel like I did something. You know? Yeah. 
but yeah. that's that's actually a pretty good moral compass for mm-hmm. um for that but i also i also understand the perspective of who was it when kanye sampled um was it shaka khan yeah she was like furious at first you mm-hmm. know like um like I understand how older artists, and when I say older artists, you know, like the like Shaka Khan, yeah, those types, yeah, um, respectfully, yeah, hell yeah, word. Um, they're like, first of all, we weren't really giving many opportunities to, to to share our voice, and then when we were, there was huge pay cuts where the record labels were making way more. Like you think it's bad now, yeah, you know, back then, like we got shit money, yeah, they got you know pennies I mean? on a dollar. And the crazy thing is, when you probably sample Shaka Khan, you don't have to go to Shaka Khan to ask. You could go above a head, yeah, and go to the label and be like, "We have this amount of money. Let me clear through the fire." You yeah, know, but she, I remember her. She performed it with Kanye at BET Awards. Yeah, you know, it, it was good to see that. Hell so. yeah! So yeah, so what what part of uh, New York did you grow up then? East Harlem. East Harlem, okay. Yeah, you know, I lived I lived there about half my life, and then I moved to Pennsylvania. Okay. So I lived there a solid sixteen years, and then after that, going back and forth. Not sixteen years isn't half my life. I'm I'm pretty <laughs> way younger than that. But um, yeah. So like, go back and forth between there and Pennsylvania for a while. Okay. And then I settled in Seattle. Wasn't initially the plan. Mm-hmm. Five or so years ago. Interesting. So why yeah. the move first to Pennsylvania? Just family stuff or? Oh, uh, yeah. So my mom had a house up there and, you know, I was kind of like not really on the right path okay. where I was at. And I think we mutually agreed that it was better for me to spend some time out there. Mm. You know, so I finished my last two years of high school in there Pennsylvania, you know, and then like entered the workforce out there and it wasn't always working. So sometimes I went back to New York, mm. then I'll go back to PA. But like I was constantly like in New York for the most part. Would you say you're a, a New York artist then or would you say you're a Seattle artist or how do you describe it's, it's that? It's hard, you? yo, because it's like Seattle was super formative to like where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. And when I first got here, like trying to make sure I'm not stepping on anybody's toes or anything, I never out the gate try to claim Seattle. Yeah. I never try to be like, you know, I'm AJ Suede, I'm from Seattle, because, you know, I'm not from Seattle. But uh, over time, it got... S- the city started claiming me, which mm-hmm. isn't an easy thing to do. You know, Seattle's not really, I never got frozen or anything like that because I've always known people out here, but Seattle at a time wasn't really the place for like outsiders. You know, you kind of had to know people. You kind of had to, everybody's really clicked up in my in yeah. my experience, you know? So um, well, I agree. And I, I grew up here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like when I came over here, I kind of just try to do my thing, show love to the current scene, but kind of like be in my own lane, you mm-hmm. know, not try to step on anybody's toes, try to claim I'm from somewhere that I'm not. And then over time, certain publications kept, it got to the point that every single time somebody mentioned me as a Seattle rapper, I couldn't take the 30 seconds to be like, yeah, but I'm from here, from here. Yeah. It got to the point that it just took a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, glad to be accepted by the city. Got it. You know, but like, if it gets down to it, I'll always make the distinction to let people know where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But Seattle was super formative to me filling in the rest of the puzzle pieces I needed to make the music that I currently make now. Hell yeah. You know? So you started making music originally in, in New York then? Me- yeah, for sure. I've been making beats since I was like 12. Yo, my uncles wow. were like trying to do the rap thing when I was younger, you know, like 11, 12, and they would let me run the boards. And like, I was kind of in the environment of watching them make their mixtapes and, you know, mm. let me sign the booth and you know, run that back. I got to, you know, chop shit up. And so from early, I kind of always had it in my head that I wanted to do that. And so I was doing that since I was like 12 or so, you know, from from Cakewalk to FL Studio, you know, to yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. So then um, 
But at the time, it was like I started getting into rapping, just being a fan. You know, once I started figuring out that, like, I didn't have to, like, because my main influence at the point was Dipset. And if right. you wasn't like them, you wasn't really getting any burn. Everybody was trying to rap like Dipset or Styles P, Jada Kiss, G-Unit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's what it was about. And I wasn't really on that type of time. So when I started finding people like Doom and, like, uh, Cannibal Ox, Company Flow, I don't know if you're familiar with any of these people, mm -hmm. Deltron. I, I, was, I had, I had Dell on the podcast. You had Dell on the fucking podcast? Yeah. All right. See, pardon self, I got to go back and do my knowledge. But yeah, so, you know, once I started finding these people who I felt were more like me, I started seeing rap as a viable career choice. Mm -hmm. That there's outside of rap out there, you know, like it doesn't have to all be, even though there's a certain element of it to all my shit, it doesn't all have to be flashy. It could be introspective. It could be, uh, you know, fringe. You could you could touch on like your, your interests. So that's kind of when I started taking it more seriously mm. as to I want to do this, you know? So it's more when you open like your music taste up versus yeah. do you think there were certain artists around you that also opened you up? Or do you think mm. when you were coming up, a lot of the artists were trying to do a similar type of music? Everybody was trying to do similar music. And mm. I wasn't, and it was only because we were in an era where I was earlier on it on trying to go and search for music. Cause it was like, I was the type of kid that you know, when you find the greatest song you ever heard, yeah. you want to find the next greatest song that you ever heard. You yeah. want to keep having that feeling of finding the greatest song you ever heard. So I'm just constantly looking for music and finding new music and, you know, looking at music from other regions because the shit was completely local at the time. Everything mm -hmm. was word of mouth, physical mixtapes like we were talking about before. So then, um, but I think my peers, like I was in a rap group with some of my friends, like yeah, we were just like, go. you know, battle rap and it wasn't anything too serious. But, you know, like, you know, we're dreaming big, younger kids. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Uh, it wasn't really like people wanted to rap. It, I think that I wanted to rap also for the skill of it and to recreate that feeling of finding the best song that you heard. Mm. Whereas at the time, rightfully so, which I don't blame anybody, most people were concerned about the benefit of rapping, you know, like getting the hit. And I was always kind of able to meet people halfway on that, people mm. that I rap with. But after a while, knowing the type of stuff that I wanted to make, I went off into my own lane. Mm -hmm. and started trying to like craft that because it was just not just at that time it started even not always being about hip-hop right i was finding all types of new music i was playing rock band uh rock band 2 uh my skate video games and skate videos was putting me on all types of music yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so i wasn't i was just trying to make good music yeah those skate soundtracks were legendary Insane. for a lot of life-changing yo tony hawk's under she's talking about dell i found that <laughs> tony hawk's underground too oh shit you know like they had dell on there they had all these people going to be some of my favorite artists, but I was fortunate enough to find a lot of that earlier than do, most. Do you know Dell is Ice Cube's cousin? Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Shit? Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, when you go into the first Dell album, there's Ice Cube influence there. Yeah, yeah. And then he started wilding out a little bit around the time of like, no no need for alarm. And, you know, you know what time it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck, Dell is legendary. He's starting to make a comeback too with his music. He did an album with Cool Keith recently. Yeah. 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 Oh, you know? fuck. I still haven't checked that out. I think Cool Keith just did the beats. He might rap on one or two songs, but yeah. it's mostly Cool Keith production and Dell rapping. Yeah, that's so. it's cool. A lot of um, I'm slowly starting to see it. A lot of even older hip hop artists are making more of a comeback and working with the younger art artists, yo, which I'm yo, excited to see. They're not getting aged out anymore, and it's like it's yeah. it's it's a point now where it's like at a time. Only the Rolling Stones could tour for life. The Beatles could tour for life. Like yeah. our our genre wasn't treating our OGs well, and it's like now that with the resurgence. Like, you know, shit comes in cycles and I feel like their culture is so celebrated at the moment. Like, you know, if Wu-Tang could always tour. Wu-Tang's yeah. forever, you know. Nas could always tour. But now you, you're seeing people, boot camp, click. You're seeing all these people who are coming up in that era 
having a resurgence because like that shit is back. Yeah. You know, like we want, I would love a Pete Rock beat, mm -hmm. you know, and for me to figure out what type of Pete Rock beat I would want in the future, I'm going to go back to my mom's CD of Mecca and the Soul Brother that I had in my car for years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or like, have you, I guess they've been popping up everywhere. Have you heard of that hip hop group called Coast Contra? Yeah, or that's like Razcast's son. Yeah, that's what I just found out the other day. I just hit mm -hmm. up, Ra I had Raz on the podcast too. You're killing it, bro. Oh, thank you. Raz was like my label mate for a quick second. Really? In an independent situation. We had the same uh, Black House Records. They oh, put out wow. a couple Razcast physicals. Yeah. And they were doing shit like that for me as well, you know? I, um, what, what, I had his whole hip hop group. Fuck. What are they called? Oh, with J57? J57 L and L Gone. Shout outs to J57, bro. What I is got... that group called? Fuck. They're going to get mad if oh, <laughs> it's been a little while. It has something to do with alcohol. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Fuck, I forget what it's Don't called. Don't hate me, Jay. But that's so cool. So yeah. dope. So like you you came up and started meeting artists. So how do you know like J57? For so example? Black House, the okay. same label that was doing the Razzcast stuff. And where of... was that out of? Black House is based out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, wow. So it's ran by like an older punk who loves okay. hip hop, you know? So he just kind of reaches out. He puts out stuff for like Slug Christ, Father. Okay. Uh, you know, Crime Wave from Tacoma? Uh-uh. Plays an extortionist. It's a metal band. Oh, I ain't So they, they put out a lot of punk physicals and then they were also handling handling Elgon and J57 and and, Ra and Razzcast's physicals and... Yo, I'm so mad. I don't remember short-term memory. You know, Seattle got good kush. I'm so mad I don't remember <laughs> the name of the, of the group and shit. But, um... Fuck. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, through that Scott, the guy who runs that label, I think indirectly put me put J fifty seven onto me. Oh wow! And he was liking some of the music, and he sent me a gang of beats. But at that time, I was super into my self production, so mm -hmm. I never got to really do anything with them. But you know, if that offer still stands when when the plate is clean, you know I got you, bro. There so. we go. So tell me, tell me about um. I didn't know there were different types of record labels, like yeah. like the phys so tell break down the difference between like. A record label where it's literally like a TDE where Kendrick signed that. Yeah, my homie and runs then, the uh, video department as of recent. Hey, there yeah, we go. Yeah, a friend of mine. So. And then having like a Crane City where they're actually releasing like vinyls for people. Like what is yeah. the what is the difference? Or are they kind of the same thing? Or? Well, it's crazy because it's like, all right, so I could break down a, a distinction that's very uh, case- Part, part of the case. So let's okay. say that you have drum work, right? Yeah. Conway, Conway at that time was signed to Griselda, right? Mm. But Conway can still use- so Crane City is like a label that produces physicals. We mm -hmm. they don't you know there's no masters involved. There's nothing. You're pretty much I'm pretty much licensing. That sounds very official because it's not like that. But I'm pretty much licensing my music to be made as a physical, and we're gonna break bread together. Got it. Right. So Conway or Drumwork, from my observation, I don't know anybody personally. Conway can drop from a king to a god through Griselda in the distributor empire, you mm -hmm. know, and then have D-Rap Winkle, which is like a Crane City in the Netherlands, okay. handle the physicals, mm. you know, so it's separate. It's like on the digital side, we're releasing it this way through this label, but we can still partner up with a D-Rap Winkle or a Crane City or a Tough Kong, which handles some of those records and put out the physicals, you know, so they work together. Whereas like digital distribution being Spotify, the DSPs and stuff like that might be handled through the digital distributor but then you have Crane City, who is a physical label with a physical distributor like Fat Beats. Got it. There's a lot of layers to it, you know, but they work together. They're not mutually, depending on how you handle your business, they're not mutually exclusive. But they can't, but can anyone be part of, like, be part of Crane City then? Or like any of those yeah. types of? Yeah. Got it. Because, you know, if you if you think about, like, some of the artists that Crane City has releases through, none of us are really connected through another situation. 
Like, mm -hmm. uh, we all know each other from being in the city. Like, you know, I know Perry for a long time. Yeah. I've known Duna Mal for a very long time, but they all have separate situations. Like for me, I have a label, you know, know what I mean, incorporated, which is, you know, digitally distributed by, you know, a distributor whose name I won't say yet, mm -hmm. but um, brand new, no releases on it yet. But then I can still work with Crane City whenever I want to put out a physical. And then there's still other vinyl labels that I work with too. Got it. Depending on like my, Metatron's Cube was released by a label called Fake Four, and which I still handled it digitally, but they put out cassettes and CDs. Got it. You know what I'm saying? I wonder if, because I would still kind of consider like a Griselda pretty niche with the type of they music set, they kind of set this up though because mm -hmm. it's like all right so the first thing and you know i'm just a student of the game observationally hoping to own a label one day hopefully hoping to you know use my influence to help release music is like so there's a label called i believe it's called dup okay. records based in england ran by a producer named the purist who works with griselda nice all of those early griselda records were griselda records but they were released through dup Hmm. So if you get like, I'm not going to say the word H1 through 8, you're getting them through, through Dope Records, which is ran through That's Bank. Westside Guns Project, Exactly. <laughs> you know, this with, with a word that I just don't want to mention for yeah, search yeah. optimization. Love the albums, though. You already know what time it is. But uh, Dope Records released all of those physicals strictly through Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. And their reputation is so big that it's like trying to get a raffle for Jordan sneakers. People, mm -hmm. they say, we're dropping this at midnight. People get on the website and refresh it and refresh it. A minute later, it's gone. Yeah. You know, and they become, and then you go on eBay a year later and you see the resale value because of the limit and some of these records are $4,000 now. Dang. You know? So do you think an example like any member of Griselda, mm -hmm. without any merch or anything included, if it was just like from streaming versus records, yeah, do you think they make more money from vinyls than- You make way more money from vinyls. And the thing about it is that when the vinyls travel the world, and they reach new hands, mm. some of those people might start streaming on top of that. They might mm. not have the vinyl with them. So you get you could get them the physical. That's why, yo, Spotify numbers could be really, really misleading sometimes because it's like I can my Spotify can look popping and it's like it's not too much coming in off of those mechanical royalties, you know? But it's like every time you figure out who's willing to buy physicals, even if it's a smaller number, you know, like like mm. you talking about the thousand fan model. Yeah. Obviously I'm not at that level, but if you're somebody who's not a Griselda, if you could start off with fifty fans who are willing to spend $10, do the math. Mm -hmm. Even if you still have, like, you know, I still cook part-time a couple days a week, you know? But it's like, not currently, I'm getting back, I'm gonna get back to it soon. But it's like, anybody could do this shit. Mm -hmm. And there's, because we've seen the model executed by certain people successfully, if you're a student of the game, you could figure out a way to make that work for you. So there's tons of younger dudes out here who are doing limited release shit. Got it. You know, you ever heard of Makami? Yeah, yeah, he's dope. So Makami will drop a vinyl. This is the first time I've ever seen it. Not even a vinyl. Makami dropped an album four or five years ago that was 70 for the digital. Mm. And you couldn't even stream it. But the track list was stacked. So people bought it. Mm. And it's like, if you're selling something for 77, you know, there's, there's a debate whether certain people might think it's price gouging. But if you have confidence enough to have zero social media, but put that type of respect on yourself. Yeah. And you could sell 10, 70, he sold way more than that, let's be clear, you know, but if you could sell 10 digital at $77, you better feel, feel good about yourself. Yeah. You got 10 people out there, you know, willing to drop $77 of their hard earned money on a digital piece of work. Yeah. Changes the game, yo. And I guess that's why people, I still don't know much about it, but I think that's why people are looking towards like NFTs for artists as well. You know? Yeah. That's... Do you have any take on NFTs yet? I haven't done enough research to be honest. There are so. people who try to get me to do NFTs from time to time, but it's like I'm I'm kind of having a hard time backing it, you know. And I you know I might not be 
in the loop. Hmm. This is the reason why I don't shit on it because, you know, there's always new ways of getting stuff and there's always new ways of trying to like, you know, but I, I can't, I just something about it. I'm not feeling, I don't really feel hundred percent comfortable yeah. about NFTs yet. And it's like, it's not even about the NFT itself. It's just the whole market of crypto is changing. Yeah. It's going up and down. It's fluctuating. I don't necessarily understand it, you know, and I, I do my due diligence. I spent a good amount of time. I try to get on it early when I had extra time on my hands during the pandemic. I try to learn as much as I could. There's certain people I've seen who appear, yeah, appear to be successful. With, you can catch the keyword, yeah, but I don't necessarily know if I'm ready to get on board yet. Yeah, very fair. That's a very, mm-hmm. very fair statement. Doesn't so, mean I'm right though, but right. yeah. So what what had what had like what convinced you to eventually move to Seattle? Like what brought so first what brought you here to Seattle and what made yeah. you stay in Seattle? So I came up here. I, I've known people just like doing my thing for a while. I've known people in little pockets all over. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of people I knew in Seattle from the Thrax House era. You remember Thrax House? Mm-mm. So Thrax House, I'll give a little bit of history real quick if you don't mind. Yeah. So Thrax House was a group, a Seattle-based group, that a collective, if you will, that from Thrax House came, well, Thrax House was fo- founded by Kinayata and Magnet. Okay. You know what I'm saying? A lot of what Thrax House went on to become, the main members of Thrax House began to prioritize GBC. Okay. So every member of GBC was Thrax House at a time. I'm part of a group called UDF, which is a Seattle group, which also had ties with Thrax House. It was like one big Seattle umbrella. Hmm. So within UDF, you had Dizzy Slick, Free Dizzy Slick, Baby Son, another member of Thrax House. Wait, uh, so was he doing, was Kenyatta doing Raider Clan also, or is this after this Raider Clan? This is after Raider Clan, okay, you know, it. so I, I kind of go back to those times a little bit too, but this was after Raider Clan when Sesh kind of started popping up, uh-huh. you know, Chris Travis and, and Xavier Wolf. Sorry if I'm, I'm, if I'm uh, mentioning too many names, but I'm a historian yeah, there we go. as well, you know, but, um, I love that. and That's a primary tough. source too for a lot of it, but, uh. Raider Clan was slowly, there was a lot of members in Raider Clan. Raider Clan had a chapter in almost every major city. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, after a time, like Thrax House, which also had a lot of members, certain artists went on to go do certain things, rightfully mm-hmm. so. Key started Thrax House, which I would, what I do believe with Ned and NetArg. Okay. If you're familiar with NetArg. UDF has members who are also members of Thrax House. And then there was GBC, which was also another pocket of Thrax House, you okay. know, so Horsehead was another founder, uh, yeah, Jay Yeah, a.k.a. Wow. Um, Coldy, you know, all of these people, you know, and um, Fishnark, you know what I'm I've saying? I've never heard of them, wow. Yeah, so we were all under... You I, guys I can make a whole list, by the way, so yo, I can look at these Yo, there's a tree. People. It's Please. really crazy. It's a really crazy tree. But, you know, I, I became part of Thrax House towards the tail end Got it. of Thrax House, you know, so GBC was becoming a priority. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was killing it. You know, it was really... Those members created... They carved a niche of very particular type of music you know mm-hmm. and um so i knew all of those people but i also had homies within the city right like my friend wolf tone who let me stay on his couch so i came out here to do a short run of shows then go to vancouver then go to victoria and i had no plan i was going to try my hand at la right you know what i'm saying after that little run i came back to seattle chill for a little while and how old were you around this time i was 22 first okay. time i visited seattle i'm 28 now and um, I liked it a lot. You know, I felt like I, I learned a lot about the city and you start to understand that there was a weird discourse between people who played a lot of shows within the city 
but didn't have so much of a presence on social media. Right. But like we're actively playing shows and being career musicians, you mm -hmm. know, and then the inverse yeah. people who were extremely popping online, but played shows in Seattle every once in a while. So I kind of was able to easily float between those people because I knew both, you know. Mm -hmm. So long story short, that run was done. L.A. didn't seem like a viable option, you know. I'll go home for a little while. I'll go home for about six months. At this time, I'm living in Pennsylvania with okay. my parents and shit. But going to New York every once in a while, going to shows, still messing with some of my New York peoples musically. And then I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot again. I'm going to come to Seattle for another month. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to go to L.A. Long story short, for legal reasons, I won't say one of my friends was in L.A., had to, you know, he went on the run, came back to Seattle. That kind of collapsed. I didn't really, if I would have went to L.A., I would have been bumming it. Right. Whereas, like, I was in Seattle with people I knew who, you know, also messed with me. I had guaranteed couch for a couple months. I was just trying to figure it out. I didn't feel like I had too much going for me, like, at the time where I was at, you know? Like, I felt like I kind of hit a ceiling. And I needed to, like, travel, meet new people. Uh, taking different types of influences. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in Seattle with the money I saved up. Before that, I was working at a place. I was doing temp work, and I was working at an aeronautics facility. What's aeronautics? They were building airplanes, but assembly oh. line style. Okay. So I'd sit in a basement with like a bunch of knives and files, filing parts, washing metal pieces, bring it on to the... They were building nukes in that shit. Control... Oh, yo, it was crazy, though, but it was at a crazy time in Pennsylvania. The elections was going on. Trump had just won. So there was a ton of like rednecks feeling really bold and empowered, you know? And, you know, I felt like I was gonna catch a case. Mm. You know, it was fools in there talking about building walls, doing all types of shit that I don't, you know, that I definitely don't fuck with. Like your coworkers, what you're saying? Yeah, Got really it. slick, feeling really bold, really empowered, you know? And it's like, you know, real Second Amendment abortion hating, gun toting people, you know what yeah. I mean? And then coincidentally around that time, I was just like, you know, I got no love for this job. I'm gonna get as much money as I possibly can. Mm. And I came to Seattle on the one way the day before Trump got inaugurated. This is just for time. Yeah. It's not, you know, the result of each other. So I'm here. Eventually I run out of that money. I didn't budget right. You mm. know, like shows weren't going the way I planned. Didn't really budget right. I got a job at a pizza shop which I won't mention, you know, because they, they started off being a pure company and then they got super capitalistic, went public. We might know who I'm talking about. Started in Seattle. Really? There's pizza shops that started in... I'll have to do some research. Yeah, yeah, It's like a subway now. What? And yeah. it started in Seattle? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's one in University District. Oh, shit. See if you could think what I was saying. Okay. But, um, so then, yeah, you know, I, I got to the point that I was able to get some of that money back, saved up. My friends are still gracious enough to let me be on their couch. Summer rolls around, and I'm like, shit, should I stay or should I go? Mm. But then I got offered a sublet. Mm. Somebody that we knew mutually was like, I'm going out of town for the summer. I'm going to Burning Man. <laughs> I need somebody to sublet my apartment. And oh, I was yeah. like, you know, I, I feel like I overstood my welcome here. I can't do the couch thing forever. So, I, you know, I had a little bit of stability. Yeah. You know, a little bit of autonomy. Had a I got the sublet. After that, I was like, once again, should I go? Should I stay? Mm -hmm. Then a room opens up. Another musician I know, like, yeah, you could, you know, six month deal. I just kept finding new places yeah. and I just kept having more opportunities. And I just kind of felt like I needed to go I, I, where the love was at. Not saying there wasn't love anywhere else, but yeah. I just had a good thing going that over time, it just kind of became a really good place for me to make music. You know, it's like the pace was really chill. It's not, you know, the everyday seeing a thousand people in New York mm -hmm. or seeing the five people a week in Pennsylvania. That's an exaggeration, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I it was able to meet somewhere in the middle where I feel like 
I can go for walks and write. I could, you know, I enjoy the weather, which is unpopular opinion out here, you know, but I just overall, Seattle became home. Yeah. You know, and I still try to go home to New York every four months at that time. I would go as much as I possibly could, you Mm -hmm. know, and then the pandemic just took another two years away from us out of nowhere. So, you know, like two years later, less trips home, even though I came over there as much as I could. And then, you know, just here we are now. It's just all that time. Just a really great place for me to make music. And I was able to just stay in the lab, stay focused, avoid distractions. Minimum wage was higher. I was able to get a little bit of money, you know, and just take care of myself. So it was the next, it was it was the most viable step for me. And were, were was your family nervous when you decided you wanted to move to Seattle? Uh, Shit. You know, there's always like a little element of, of guilt, hmm. you know, because sometimes I got to miss birthdays. I missed a couple funerals. Yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, I'm sure it affects my family in a way early on. But over time, when you start seeing what came of the focus that came from the move, Mm -hmm. they understand, you know, and like I hold to my end of the bargain by trying to go home as much as possible. But they know they know what time it is. At first, people would have been a little bit unsure. Like you get like, oh, you still making music? You still like that type of shit. Like, you know, I'm sure when you started, be like, oh, you still doing the podcast thing? Yeah, 100 percent. Until it gets to the point that it's an undeniable thing where it gets to how's the podcast going? Yeah. How's the music going? You know, and then so, yeah, at first, you know, there's that element. But I make of guilt that comes with being away sometimes. But I make up for for it by not fucking around. Hmm. There's certain days where. If I'm like sad that I missed a birthday or something like that, I'm going straight into the studio. I'm like, I'm not this far to be fucking around. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of the things that keeps me driven. And is your studio, do you go to a studio? Do you have like a home studio? Home or studio. Yeah, but you know, so my new spot that I live in, there's constant construction oh, yeah. going on. So it kind of limits it. But my prior spot, zero noise ordinance, high ceiling, best natural reverb, wilding out. You know, and like you go so have these little periods of not recording that when you're finally able to record comfortably, yeah. why the fuck else would I want to do anything other than record? Yeah. That's where I have the most fun, you know? So that's dope. That's what it are there any uh connections between New York and Seattle that you see? Or do you think Seattle and New York are just, just total different fucking cities? Polar. Really? Polar, you know, but um I think they each have what each other is missing. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like they each have they're both great and they're like, you know, I'm from, I love New York. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I also love Seattle. They're too, when I was home, I went home for a minute, a couple months, like a month or so ago. I want just one way ticket just to spend mad time with my family. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I was out there for a couple of weeks and just the one thing that Seattle's missing that New York has is the accessibility to corner stores and food. Yeah. You know, I just go downstairs. I was eating so much just cause I could. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, and that you could still eat for seven bucks. Yeah. You get a meal for seven bucks and be satisfied. Whereas, like, just the thing about New York, just the pace and the hustle, like, I always have that with me. And I think that's why my pace is like that. But sometimes it could be a lot. Yeah. You know, for me, like, sometimes I just want to be able to, to, to walk down the street and be the only one on the street. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whereas you will never get that. There's always something out the window. That's part of New York's charm, though. You know, there's always music blasting. There's always noise. There's always just people outside. There's a lot of, you know, with with some of the bad that might come, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of people in the neighborhood, you know, for a lifetime just because they've seen you grow up. You know, like they know your family. They know your grandmother. They know your aunt. Like my whole family's from, from that area, you know, so... 
I couldn't even get in trouble without somebody telling my mom. Hmm. I couldn't fucking spray a spray can without somebody possibly seeing me. You know, I couldn't do, sh you know, so that's how, how it is. It's like one of those, like, for, you know, for better and worse, it's like one of those villages that raises a child. Yeah. So much, like, you see so much. You see so many different people, you know, like, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful to be a part of both. Whereas when I came over here, you know, I got to learn the culture over time. It was a lot different, but the pace suited me. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just really love the pace of Seattle. I uh, went to New York for the first time like a month ago, too. And I feel like almost New York's pace suited me. Word. You know what I mean? Like, but it's the opposite. Yo, that's the thing, though. Yeah. You know, like, you might need that. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. very true. And I like that things are open like 24-7. Like, uh, the first mm -hmm. night I was there, I was up until like 5 a.m. Yeah, still I, drinking. Yeah, and I had flown in at like, shit like uh 6 a.m yeah so then i didn't sleep on the flights i was there i was up for like 24 hours basically Word. and I, I felt amazing the entire time though that's good yo i tell people that shit too because it's like people ask me like yo how come you don't feel like living in new york it's like y'all lived there for so fucking long you know yeah. that like i kind of but i think people do need to go live there yeah you know like one of my younger homies who used to help me with my videos he's from bremerton eventually i met him at my job you know and mm -hmm. i figured out he was fucking with cameras and shit eventually moved to seattle but he made a move to New York and I'm like, yo, that's good. That's going to pick up your pace. You know, you're going to just, you see a thousand people doing well yeah. by default. It makes you want to do well. Yeah. You know, so it's necessary. It's a necessary move for a lot of people. And, you know, all the times that I've even considered LA, it's like, I don't think that you get that same amount of hustle and bustle from LA. I'm sure it's still laid back to a certain extent, but you just see like more celebrities or something. Should just be feeling too Hollywood sometimes. Like I want to go, but like, right. I don't feel like there's lasting connections. Like the way when I was in Seattle, like some of these people I met, I do feel like they're friends mm -hmm. as opposed to just like Hollywood. Like, yo, we should hang out some well, sometime. Yeah. Never do. Yeah. You know? Do you feel like your your hustle has probably like inspired some other artists that you know? Here in I hope Seattle? so. I hope so. You know, because like, I mean, every once in a while, somebody might tell me that that it does. And it's indirectly. It's not like I'm I just want I just want to see Seattle as a whole. Like everybody doesn't have to have my pace and frequency. But if everybody just stood in the lab, you know, you know how it is. Shit could get every once in a while, every like once a year, there's like a, there's like a petty war in the scene. Yeah. You know, where like everybody's kind of trying to like, you know, I'm going to say rightfully so remind people why they're the shit. It's a, it's a game where it's like, you kind of got to remember what you, you know, you got to, you got to big yourself up hmm. and it's like the type of shit people big themselves up, people instigate, people get. And it's like, yo, if you bypass all of that shit by like just being in the lab all the fucking time, we could all be great. Mm -hmm. The whole city can have a light shine on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, so I hope, you know, some of my friends I know who are super talented, you know, sometimes every once in a while they'll tell me like, yeah, you know, the way you move in, like it makes me want to get in the lab. So it's just like, good, stay there. Yeah. You know, flood them. Do, do you... uh Hmm. That's just a, that's a good point. Do you do you feel like Seattle has rubbed off on you though? Like yeah. how how you act towards people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you could tell when I when I go home. You know, um, I think Seattle gives you the space to be a little bit more introverted. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas like I'm a lot when I go home, hang out with my friends. I do feel I'm a little quieter. Mm -hmm. I like to listen more. You know, I think that uh, listen. I like to, Seattle taught me how to listen better. You know. And I think that, yeah, it has rubbed off on me. I'm not going to, like, freeze anybody or anything, but I mm -hmm. really am about my people and my clique more so, you know? Like, I don't really feel like I have, like, 
the energy to just be out, out as outgoing as I was. You know, I, I enjoy the choir a little bit more. I like the rain. I like all of that type of shit. But also there's still that element where it's like I'm too New York for people out here sometimes. Not even New York. I'm just too East Coast for people sometimes. My directness might fuck people up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I they might that. misconstrue it. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, it's never really anything personal with me, you know. But um, but yeah, there's definitely an influence. You could hear it in the music. Yo, Seattle's been a been a good influence. You know, it's 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 always good to have the contrast and to just try to meet myself somewhere in the middle of that contrast, you know? Yeah, so do you think people recognize that you're probably from the East Coast when like they first meet you? Oh yeah, easily. It's like, you know, sometimes when I first got here, I lost my accent a little bit, but mm -hmm. like people wouldn't really understand me. Oh wow. You know, like not even like people I was around when I started like being in the workforce and shit and having to deal with like the everyday Seattleite that wasn't like a creative, like the normal, mm -hmm. I go to work and I go back home and take care of the kids Seattleite. Like, I'll ask them, like, a customer service-related question. And they just be like, huh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah, they do. You know, off, off the bat, a lot of times I'll say a certain word. You know, I'll say, like, straw or, like, sauce or some shit like that. And people will be like, oh, you're from the East Coast. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, it's it's funny, though, because I, I, I picked that up, too, when I got here, like, the inverse that there is a Seattle accent. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. What is it? Just, like shit like you know it depends because it's, it's widespread i feel like if you break it down between certain parts of the city but like you know every once in a while you ever heard somebody say like you got a plastic bag oh i hate that shit yeah you know like <laughs> one of those things the way that certain r's like people pronounce okay. their r's really fully like the whole r is pronounced like you know what i'm saying but there is kind of an, there's an inflection that's funny there's funny. definitely an inflection you know it's like a lot of times it's proper it's proper English, but it got its own thing to it. I thought people have said that Seattle sounds like the most just normal, basic. Yeah, that's what I mean by voice. saying proper English. But yeah. there's still new, there's still inflections that you're only gonna get in Seattle. That's so you know funny. what I'm saying, just based on my observation, you know. So, as someone who's who's in hip hop and ha has worked normal jobs, do you feel like you've had to ever like code switch when going into like the workforce? Nah, the key is to find a job that's gonna let you be as you as possible. Mm. but you know you just got to maintain the element of respect yeah be like and i think that you know being like a cook that's heavily tattooed yeah you kind of know what you're signing up for at the interview and there's a lot of times that people might get taken aback like you know older people i work with because it's like you might think you know me from seeing me but i was like you know raised by good people yeah so i treat my elders well in the workforce i have my you know so it's just a it's a matter of finding the point where you don't have to switch any anything you know you just i kind of just go into everything with the same even demeanor yeah i might turn it up a little bit when i'm with people i've known for a long time but like the type of jobs i work you kind of already know what time it is when i'm coming for the interview yeah i wonder if code switching at jobs or something can take away from someone's Creative process. Yeah. yeah, I think, it, yo, 100%. So when I used to work retail back in the day, you know, I've had tattoos forever, mm -hmm. right? And I worked for The Gap for a second. I took a shot at community college for a little bit. It didn't really pan out, right? Yeah. But uh, I had it set up that I came and did stock at The Gap at six in the morning. And then by the time I got off, I had two classes right after. Mm -hmm. And they were all, you know, cat, cat, uh, cover, you know, long sleeves if you have tattoos, even if it's burning up. And, mm -hmm. you know, I started working for Adidas for a little while after that. And they were just kind of like, oh, we don't have those problems here. Just do you, you know, use, yeah. be you to help sell the product in a way. You know what I mean? You identify with certain customers, you know, you identify their needs. Certain customers might relate to you because you're you. Yeah. Somebody might walk into the store and feel more comfortable talking to you because yeah. you're you than they feel talking to me.
Yeah. And I learned that early, you know? So then for a while, I was at that Adidas up in Pennsylvania, and then I transferred to the flagship in Soho for a minute. Nice. And they were even more wild. There was the most, there was like 200 people on staff, and everybody Jeez. was just a diverse fucking character, and it was lit. We all kicked it with each other after work. We all did shit together, you know? And then um, after a while, I wanted to be like closer to like my family and shit and some of my friends, so I went back to the other store, and then I was there. They were still on that type of time, but uh, the manager ends up going to Polo, and mm. takes all the fire employees with her to polo. Yeah. Me included. And it was back to that cover up your tattoo shit and mm. cover. And there's a noticeable effect in the mood mm-hmm. when you have to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're like, so I think that from that point, I was able to work so many. After that, I got into doing like factory work, manual labor, manual labor type of work, you know, uh, manufacturing, forklifting, all of that, where that's not really an issue because you don't deal with customers. But then by the time I got into cooking, knowing how many jobs and how many types of jobs and how many types of coworkers I didn't want to fucking deal with. That's the only option. Whereas like I get to have that flexibility, be me and cooking's an art. Mm-hmm. I get to still be creative. How'd you know you could become a cook? Well, I didn't, you know, well, the thing is I did though. Cause you know, like my dad's out of the beats, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's, yo, the thing is it's all the same. It's like playing the drums where you got to put your mind in a bunch of different places at once. But like cooking is one of those things where you learn the recipes but the rest of it comes from the heart Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and like my grandmother that passed away a couple years ago she's from the south you know just has that history of being you know a black woman in america in those times and you know passing down recipes and traditions and you know uh it's just one of those things where it's, it's, it's in you it's not on you so but cooking won't let you get into it unless you're already a cook you try to get into it there's no real entry level way of like, you want to apply for something, it's like you already need two years of experience. Yeah. So you kind of got to find a way to get in. Yeah. And I got in with pizza, which led to me work doing barbecue, mm. which led to me doing other shit, you know, and then you continuously build a resume. And that's why it's like, I don't care if I work fucking three days a week, the rest is on me. I yeah. could take this, this is like a trade. I could take this anywhere. Yeah. They already, they, you know, I could have all the tattoos, I you know, face, neck, hands, and I don't have to deal with too many people. I just need to be good at my skill. And, you know, that's where it's at. That's how you know you become a cook. You get hit with a lot of pressure. Yeah. You get hit, like, you have to learn who you are under pressure in anything you do. There's a lot of, like, chefs in the um, music, music scene fu- in, yo, here in Seattle, especially. Learned that. And that's, that's another thing that kind of kept me in Seattle. Because it's like, you know, at, at that time, my homie Wolf, who I was staying on his couch, plays in a lot of uh, bands. And also my homie Zach, who also lived in a house. Tons of bands in, in the city, you know, punk, metal, uh power violence, all of that shit. And then, you know, you start learning some of the bands on that side. Yeah. We're going out to certain bars. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's the drummer from from Un, or that's, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yo, all these musicians are really out here. And then you start figuring out because that's, that's where you get the flexibility. Yeah. You know what I mean? You come in, you, I come in, I do my job while you got me, but after I leave, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. You know? We got Greg, I think Greg. Greg's Scythe. a cook. Yeah, um, right. Jake the Digital, he's a cook. Mm-hmm. On the water now, like yeah, that's yeah, that's yo, cool to it's, see. It's a good thing, yo, because it's like it's it really is good for musicians, and it's like if you really want to be creative and you could deal with pressure, go for it. And so, how much between like working like as a cook and an artist, what do you think like the percentage is? Like, do you think you're almost full time as an artist, or do you mm-hmm. still like you need cooking, or how does that work? Well, I for think you? I'm always full time as an artist, Got you know, because even it's like if I was doing my twenty to twenty five hours of cooking, yeah. which is general general generally what it is there's less sleep involved everywhere else, mm-hmm. you know? Cause it's like on top of that, I got to try to maintain being a good friend and 
being good to all my people that are around me. It's, it's, it could be hard, yo, but it, it results with, at this current moment, where it's like shit is stacked. You know, there's not as much time to chill outside the means of creating. Most of my friends like that I fuck with do something creative in one way or another. So it's like, if you're my, my homie that shoots videos and you want to chill, we're going to shoot a video. Yeah. And chill in the midst of chilling. Right, right. You're one of my friends who makes beats. This is how we're going to chill. And I have a hard time chilling outside the context of that. Yeah. I realize. Like, I feel like I constantly have to be doing something, you know, and that maybe goes back to when I was saying, like, I'm not out here to really fuck around. I like to still smoke, drink, do my thing, but we got to be in the middle of something. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I also feel like it was so funny. I was at this, this like, family friend party uh, mm -hmm. over the weekend. And I was a little buzzed. I was having a good time. And yeah. I randomly start talking to this guy who's a lawyer. And I'm like, wow, being a lawyer must be hard work. And your mind's probably always racing on like your clients and what's next. Yeah. Like I, I'm just trying to figure out how I was like to him. I was like, I'm trying to figure out how to set at least an hour a day aside just to like calm my mind. Right. Yeah. And then a few weeks ago, he didn't know that I had this Catholic experience where I which I I hated. I went to a Catholic church and I was like, what the yeah. fuck is going on here, right? My family, yeah, I got I had a communion. <laughs> Catholic know? church is craziness. No offense. Yeah, no, it's um, all good. No, I'm not Catholic. I'm not Christian. I'm not, you know. <laughs> and so I was, I had actually made fun about, fun of the Catholic church on the podcast a, a few yeah. episodes ago. Good. And then, <laughs> and basically, little did I know, little, little did he know I had made fun of the church and little did I know that he was in the church currently, yeah. right? So we're just talking about like life and how to like calm our minds. And he's like, you know what really worked for me? And he starts trying to convert me to be yeah. a Catholic. I was like, oh, hell no. It's like after you went out drinking all Saturday night, you want me to come and sit next to you in this church? Yeah, like, you know come what I mean? On, yo. But I'd like to find something that, and I think everyone has to find it in their own way. I don't think it has to be meditation to the point of everyone thinks maybe like yoga I play, or I play church. video games. Okay, in yeah. In between, you know, but I play like a lot of like, you know, like Skyrim, like shit that you okay. can do at your own pace. It's, it's a bit meditative. You yeah, know? that's fair. Like, yeah, I think every once in a while I do put down an hour. Like, you know, I play tons of Yu-Gi-Oh. Shout outs to Blake. Blake Anthony yes. playing Yu-Gi-Oh too. You know what I'm saying? But I'll be How do you play Yu-Gi-Oh? Like just the cards? Or is yeah, there a it's game? On, it's online now. They okay. have it on. They have it on. I, I got a Switch. So they have it uh, cross platform. You got computer. You got whatever. So, I, you know, we play online. Does it look like Pokemon or does it look like Tex Texas Hold'em where you're just switching the cards? It's more comparable to Magic the Gathering. Okay. Which started in Seattle, as we all know. Wizards of the Coast, Seattle company. Oh, I had no idea that started yeah, in Seattle. Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit comparable to Magic the Gathering. You ever watch the TV show back in the day? Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, the anime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like that. You know, you draw a couple cards, but it's like one of the craziest. It's like chess So it's like turn-based type. For sure, okay. yo, but it's literally like chess on crack. <laughs> you got to do like, you know how when you play chess, you, you sitting here trying to, the amount of steps that you got to try to think ahead. Yeah. All of those games are really good exercises for the mind. And I feel like Yu-Gi-Oh! is like one of those things that improves brain elasticity. Yeah. While at the same time, I get to deal with a lot of words and do a lot of reading. So that's good as somebody who works with words. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that's that's been good for me keeping, it kept me sane during the during the pandemic playing games and shit, you know? You should be a spokesperson for Yu-Gi-Oh! That'd be pretty Yo, dope. Yo, it'll be crazy though, because if I'm like one of those, like, you know, I'm like a cool ass nerd, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's like, you know, Ain't like like it's cool to get that type of these companies should fuck with me yeah because people don't really think that you could be as cool as me and do shit like that yeah in my opinion that's my fair. humble opinion so it's like we all grew up on it like you gotta be a weeb or something to yeah you know, yeah you know yeah. and it's like you know as much as I loved anime growing up I have a hard time keeping up with it now yeah you know like but uh 
stuff like that. Like I love Nintendo. I, I, I love the nostalgia of it. Okay. Yeah. I'm at the point right now where it's like when it comes to playing games, it's not like I'm looking for new shit. I'm going back and buying remasters mm. of the shit I grew up with. Like it's kind of like one of those things paying homage to childhood and just remembering what was so, you, you know, get that full 360. I like that. I like, for me actually, I feel like I'm more into like new games yeah. because I like to be more immersed, I feel like. What are you playing, Elden Ring? Like I, yeah, I have Elden Ring for yeah. sure. Um, I still, my favorite game is still like, last of us yeah um, well, i know i know that game last of us part two takes p place in, in seattle. seattle you know yeah. like and like they did such a good job of like everything's like torn down like you're like it looks crazy the, yeah so Yo, I, like, I look at youtube videos where they do the side-by-side -side comparisons yeah yeah same with infamous you remember yeah that game? yeah 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 another infamous. seattle game i like i like those type of games where you're very immersed and if it's in seattle it's even better yeah and like i think hmm i have vr and i like vr but that sometimes gets nauseous and a little two in your head so yeah i i don't know if i feel more immersed in vr versus just having a handset to yeah be i like controllers yo i can't fuck with like i have friends who are like pc gamers you know how pc gamers yeah. are devout yo we're the master race you know how they are spend like thousands of dollars on their pc yeah shit. pc fascism and shit <laughs> and i'll be like yo i'm gonna play this shit on a keyboard you yeah. know like I, I you know i grew up with playstation you know gamecube xbox shit like that like but um, as far as immersive games, like that's why I still, you know, I'll, I'll smoke a joint to the face, put Skyrim on first person, okay. and I'm in there. You know, I got a pretty decent TV. I yeah. can put, I got blackout curtains, and I could just, you know, I'm in there. And then like, tons of RPGs, you know. And if I for like things like Last of Us or Elden Ring, I don't have a, I don't have one of those systems. So when I make mm. beats, or I'm writing, sometimes I have it on. I have the the long plays. Yeah, yeah. Going in the background of other people playing it on mute. Hell yeah. You know so. That makes sense. I um, I was lucky because I guess PlayStation Fives are still hard to get right now. Yeah, they are. Um, I got mine like last Halloween, like on Halloween. Mm -hmm. There was like, I got a random notification. They're like, um, on Google, it was like PS Five restock, and I happened to look right when someone had dropped that article yeah. and go to the right place at the exact time. That's not the that's not the first time I heard that story. Yeah, you know? it's it's like that. It's hard to get those shits. But they they people but the gaming companies know that they're hard to get. So mm -hmm. like price gouging, ugh, fucking insane. But yo, there's an issue going on with uh Intel chips. Yeah, it's it's yeah you know I don't know what this shit. We don't got to get too deep into it, but it's like yo we don't even got the chips like yeah. Isn't that is the Terminator revolution not going to happen <laughs> now? You know, you can't even get a PS5. Like, I, do I have to worry about them anymore? I have friends who believe in the microchip stuff and fucking yeah. the COVID. I don't know, but I don't think I believe in that. But... Oh, yeah. We don't got to get into that. They're going to put the uh, <laughs> they're gonna put the warning on the video. You know how if yeah. you type anything about the C word <laughs> oh, on shoot. your story, you get the, the yeah. surgeon warning? So we, just, we could just avoid that just for there search engine optimization but you know let's be so logical big, you're big into seo then huh you got to understand it yeah you, you do need to have a certain understanding of search engine and i think the thing with a lot of people who are super talented is that so you know when i took my shot and flunked out of community college just because i wasn't taking it like serious i feel that my I, went second, for 30, I went for 30 minutes and I, I decided i literally like yeah i met all my teachers and i was like this isn't for me and well I, you knew yeah you, you know i wish i didn't waste that much fucking time but there was a year the second year of it, well, the third semester, it was three semesters, right? The third year of it, I was like, you know, I'm not going for any fucking major. You know, mm. like, this isn't going to pan out. Yeah. So the last year, I took a whole bunch of unrelated shit. I took marketing. I took film. And, you know, 
I had to take public speaking as an elective, even though I aced that shit. Like, mm-hmm. I never really had any issues with, like, getting on stages with people. But these are things that indirectly help my career. Yeah. You know, so when you think of marketing, a lot of times there's talented artists who have great projects, but they don't take the time to market. Mm-hmm. They need to learn things about search engine optimization. Yeah. You know, you need to learn. You need to, every once in a while, I'll get on, like, an incognito window just to Google my name. Mm. Just because, like, you know how you, you have your shit and you it's already searched in, you have your things, just to see how it might appear to somebody. That's a good point. I've never know? done that. Just to see what the order of events are, like, what's yeah. the, you know, just like if somebody was to look me up, where's their starting point? You know, where how far do we have to search to see my most recent article? Mm-hmm. And these are things that you got to keep in mind, you know? Yeah. So. Do you ever think about how to get verified on Instagram? Because I hear, like, there's so many different ways. Some people are like, you need five or six articles yeah. and something on YouTube or something, right? As but somebody like, who's recently verified, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say you do need a lot of press. Okay. You know, there's ways to go above it. It's wild. So, like, I think that there's somebody who... It's, it's, yo, it's really weird, yo, because if you think about... You don't know where your music travels to. Mm-hmm. There can be somebody... I had a recent experience. There can be somebody working for a company who's a fan of your music. Mm-hmm. You know, like... I ended up on a Spotify playlist, a pretty big one, independently too. And it's just like, my only way to gauge it is that there's somebody in that office who might be familiar with me. Yeah. You can't plan for these kind of things, you yeah. know? So, you know, nobody's ever, I'm I'm so recently verified, like not even a week yet. Congrats, my guy. Yeah, thank you. You know, like it's not, it's nothing crazy. It's like, if it does feel like officiated, you know, but it doesn't, it's not a life changing thing. But you can slide into actresses DMs now or something. Though, right? That's a fact. My girl will get mad, <laughs> but I might, I might try. No, nah, I'm just Yo, but um, other than that though, it's like if somebody, nobody's like really asked me, but I would just say the best way to do it is to just hustle enough that you have a decent amount of press. Yeah. You know, like, and I, like, just like, just keep, and that's not one of those things where it's like, I don't have any PR. I don't have anything like that, but it's just like, I have such a constant pace that I'm fortunate enough to always be getting mentioned. Yeah. So if you just constantly stay in the press, like you just might wake up to it. Damn. Not stay in the press, but just stay at, at it, you know? Was it, was it a, um, like, was it, were there like certain presses that were bigger than others? Like, was it Seattle press or was it like well, Source or what, like, what was it? The big one might be Spin. Okay. Spin wrote an article about me, but you know, every once in a while I do get love from Seattle Times. Yeah. You know, so Seattle Times is one of those. KEXP. Pat, people who are re- other verified, reputable sources. Got it. Can't really just be your friend's blog. Yeah. You know, but those are the things you can't account for. Like, uh, there's a magazine, Wire Magazine. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the back of the magazine, you know, as music. I can't, I can't plan for that type of shit, you yeah. know? So it's just like, somebody told me a long time ago, it's like the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always feel that way. And I'm sure you know, you've done tons, you do tons of interviews, you know, like, so it's like, but over time, there's certain factors that start to conspire for you. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those things that I feel like being verified is a part of that. Just being 10 years in the game and just, you know, like, yeah, you know, I feel like, um, I haven't seen a podcast channel be verified yet. Like on yeah. on Instagram, like some of my favorite podcasts have or have like millions of followers, but aren't verified. So I'm like, I want to be one of those podcast channels that are. Yeah, verified. but you know why it'll happen is because younger and younger people are getting entry level positions at some of these companies. Mm. So there might be somebody coming up, or he somebody who's fucking with your podcast that just through their own separate life, 
they might end up working at Instagram next year mm. in a position where they're verifying people. These are just the things you can't account for. You oh, know, shit. there's yeah. younger and younger people starting to work for Twitter. And, you know, we live in Seattle. There's tons of tech companies. You don't know who might be working at the Twitter campus down yeah. in Fremont that might be like, yo, I love Seattle hip hop. Let me check out this interview. Yeah. NAS podcast, they interviewed blank, 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 blank. You put in a word. Yeah. You know, so I think that's just kind of what it comes to when, you know, old guards are heading out and there's all these younger kids who are coming through and then the new generations and like this, there's easily at the consistency that you're working at. There's not, it's not crazy to say that NAS podcast Hell will yeah. eventually be verified for whatever it means, you know, but yeah. I think it's doable. I, uh, I do got to say, I do have an article in Lyrical Lemonade. They, yeah, so, so I, I, I think that's pretty dope. Hey, there yeah. we go. <laughs> you know, a couple years ago. But yeah, you know, that's one of those sources that that's yeah. a verified, reputable source that when you start having to put together that list of your press, even for like, you know, I don't have a Wikipedia page, but when people start going out on a limb to make Wikipedia pages for you, yeah. they have to cite sources. Yeah. And those are those type of things that are necessary to get those type of things made. So, Dude, that's what I love about... Um, podcast so much they're just like time capsules and like you get to really know about Archibald. someone yeah uh, i watch them all i listen to them i watch them you know so like i clean my room to them like did you watch did you you probably saw the um kendrick Lamar the heart part five yeah at the at the very end where he's um in the perspective of nipsey hustle he's yeah. like have my kids watch my old interviews you know like yeah. thinking about that like if your your kids or your family I can eventually like watch all that stuff it's the and, truth. Like, because I podcast so much I feel like I'd be down to be AI eventually like if they make like an AI version of me or something we'll upload the conscious because there's enough there's enough actually I don't know that's a good yeah so some transhumanism but I don't know because I was talking to my friend about that the other day about immortality will probably be being uploaded versus yeah. like actually being in your same body like, mm -hmm. ooh, have you seen Altered Carbon on Netflix? I've heard of it. You need to watch it. Yeah, if I, see, yo, I have guy. a homie who was super into, not into it. He's he's actually very against it, but he's always talking about, like, the transhumanist agenda. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, transhumanism is, like, you know, the topic of uploading consciousness yeah. and then taking us into, like, you know, that's where you start getting into things like the metaverse, where you're going to buy, like, a virtual Nike, Nike jersey yeah. on the Ethereum blockchain or, like, but yeah, I mean, yo, if you could automate the process to, for you to fulfill other stuff, I wouldn't be bad at you. But there's enough, like there's enough, you've probably done enough interviews, you've released enough projects. Yeah. And I've talked so much on a podcast, someone could probably like recreate both of us. They do that shit for Tupac albums. Yeah. If he's not alive. But I heard that, you know, they could type in something and be like, yo, let's make this in Tupac's voice. We got these Tupac lyrics. Yeah. Like what if, what if they, what if somewhere down the road, they end up making like another nas and aj suede episode but we're both actually not there and it's, it's just it's like honest. from your lyrics and from yeah. the previous conversations we've had who controls the direction of the conversation though you know it's yeah. like i don't think an ai at this point can just have a fluid fun conversation but the critical thinking element you yeah. know the moment that it does get to that point we're in trouble first and foremost you know but like for them to ask questions based on the newest project yeah certain things require you to physically you know be there yeah you know what i'm saying but um it's nothing's out of the realm of possibility, especially the way shit is just moving super fast. What about that Google guy that said that that AI had sentience? Did you they hear definitely about that? do. I heard about that shit. And he got kicked. He got, yeah. he got fired. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, but it's like you ever seen Eagle Eye? Uh uh. It's a Shia LaBeouf movie from back in the day, and okay. it's like he gets like a phone call, and somebody's like, "Go to this location, go," and it's just AI fucking with him the whole time. Oh shit! And it's like a giant like Orwellian nineteen eighty four styled eye in the sky that's just using 
everything that we have electronically to just like monitor us and like communicate oh, with us shit. and then it just go sentient and just starts fucking shit up. And like if it gets down to it, yo, we got all the predictive programming. You got Cyberdyne systems, you got Boston Dynamics, you know Boston yeah. Dynam- Boston Robotics? Yeah. Boston Robotics is making making all these crazy AI the dogs and stuff. Robots <laughs> that are doing front flips and like, yo, we can't go one on one with these shits. Like, I don't know, yo. It's uh we just gotta take it a day at a time though. We gotta worry about the robots after after we figure out what some of these humans are doing. Yeah, you but know what I'm saying? Why why do we push the future like that if we've already made so many books and movies about it? Yeah. Like we know what's gonna happen. But you know the concept of predictive programming. Mm. It's like where Hollywood introduces so allegedly, if you go down the rabbit hole, you know, if you do a military movie in Hollywood, you need to get the military to sign off. They're mm-hmm. going to provide you with the equipment, with all mm-hmm. that. And it's like basically like predict, like product placement. Yeah. So then you got predictive programming, right? And you have multiple movies where like if you see the Twin Towers prior to 9-11, they're burning in some way or another. Mm. The Super Mario movie, the live action Super Mario movie is one <laughs> of those movies. Twin Towers burning down. Like if, if they show it on TV, which they don't anymore... They cut that part out. You know, there's a couple different movies. So just to say that certain things get demonstrated by Hollywood like every once in a while. Yeah. You know, just so like, this, is tin, this isn't this is even tinfoil hatchet. This is like, you know, if you go down the rabbit hole and you start looking at cer- some of these things, you have certain movies that introduce these ideas. God forbid something like this happens. We're not too surprised. We could be like, oh, jokingly, this is the day after tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is... So who knows, yo? We've seen so much shit. We see, we've been seeing Terminator since the '80s. We got Eagle Eye. We got iRobot. Yeah, Tesla looks Blade close. Runner replicants. Te- yeah, you know, Tesla's looking more and more like the, I, the iRobot cars. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, if anything, though, I wouldn't mind like the Fifth Element being real. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like I fuck with that type of sci-fi. Like my cousin's a big Blade Runner stan, and it's like I would hate to live in that fucking society. What about Total Recall? Yo, Total Recall. Is that the one with the game? That's the one where, like, Arnold... They, they, yeah, I seen the remake. I didn't the, see with the, the With Colin Farrell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I seen the remake. That was cool. I mean... But yeah, it ended that's... up being, being fucked up, I guess. It's one of those so. big-budget movies that don't really have too much other else, like a Michael Bay type of film. Yeah. You know? They did that with Vanilla Sky, too. I don't know why Vanilla Sky got so much hate. I've never seen that one. That's Tom Cruise, Yeah, right? I liked that one. It was really similar to Total Recall. Word. I like that one, though. But, yeah, that's a... Predictive programming. Yeah, predictive that's, programming. Oh, so that's what they do with Disney. That's supposedly what happens in Disney all the time. Like where like they show little kids like Bambi's mom yeah. getting killed and things like that. There's a very There's a whole wild rabbit hole of yeah. Disney subliminal programming too of like shit like uh the borrowers. You ever seen the movie The Borrowers? Uh-uh. There's like one scene that like they're on like a tin car and out the window there's like a demon looking lady okay. with, with her like with her like titties out <laughs> it sounds crazy yo. Yeah. there's so many there's a in lot disney of, yeah <laughs> yo there's a, like one scene in the lion king where i think simba i don't know if this is the ex- exact scene i haven't seen the lion king in a while but i think simba's talking to mufasa in the sky okay do you remember this sound familiar yeah and then the stars spell sex Oh shit! <laughs> you know, like I don't know if this is just giant coincidences or people playing pranks, but there's like tons of old school YouTube rabbit holes of Disney just being perverted. Dang. You know, like the Little Mermaid's getting married at the at at the wedding, and then the priest has a Woody, <laughs> like little shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but uh, who knows, yo? Fantasia, you ever heard of something called Monarch Mind Control? No, what's that? So Monarch, I like yo, Fantasia is, though. Fantasia. They were saying that Fantasia is like one of the biggest subliminal programming movies for like any kid to watch. Like just the wow. way that the imagery works, that it's like at work on kids' minds. It was hella racist. I seen it in IMAX. Well, what, what, what? Expunge on that. Which part do you? So have it? Fantasia, like they. When was the example? 
they they made like mammies and stuff. Oh, and they, yeah. Like, there was like they made a lot of the cartoons very or like they did. That's um, like Dumbo with the crows. Yeah, the Sambo crows. Or they did the um. There's this one scene where there's like, they just made like a lot of the animals in one of the chapters in the. Mm-hmm. They like were shucking and jobbing. Yeah, and then that. they were they made like these like one animals look like super Asian guys, and they had like their hair. It was actual hair, but it yeah. looked like one of those Sun straw hats. hats yeah, you yeah know I do. I, mean? I remember that matter of fact word. So they did stuff like that, but yeah. I was like, shit, this is this is kind of a little. <laughs> Yo, racist. the thing the thing about Monarch Mind Control though is why I won't get too deep into it because I don't want to spread misinformation. Yeah, fair. But enough. it's like one of those types of things that it's worth checking out, and they say that Fantasia is like one of the biggest examples of it. Yeah. There's this movie by Stanley Kubrick called uh, Eyes Wide Shut. I haven't seen it, but I know that movie. Is it yeah, a good movie? It's a good movie, yo. I and surprisingly, it it's a Christmas movie mm. on top of that. But it's about like, I watched I, I watch one video essay that led into another video essay about Monarch Mind Control. And it was talking about how in Eyes Wide Shut, like you would use Monarch Mind Control to like, I don't want to go. I, don't, I feel like I'm saying some Alex Jones type. But shit. no, I have a conspiracy podcast. My, my, I have two yeah, podcasts. You get me come, on there. You gotta yeah. come on that one. I might have to also bring my homie, uh, Christ Cooper, if you don't mind. Yeah. He's super. He's super. He has a crazy library, and uh, anything he speaks comes from a place of source. So it'd be good to have him on there. But um, yo, get me on there another time. We yeah. Could, I'll do the research. Okay. To yeah. Make yeah. sure I'm not spreading misinformation. You know. Yeah, we make but, sure as me and my co-host and. We have the same initials, so mm. it's kind of a plan of words, but it's called the BBC Podcast, and yeah. it's Blake Burton and Brian Barnett Conspiracies. And Yo, get me on there. Yeah, For sure, dude. if you have me, I'll be honored, bro. I'll do I'll do some research, and we could really go down the rabbit hole, you know? Hell yeah. Yeah. So so what what's what's next for you? You got this, uh, the vinyl releasing, you're doing like a 30-day yeah. run for that. So yeah, the vinyl, we're, we're figuring out the rest of the vinyl. I shot a video yesterday to help promote that for an older single that came off that vinyl. I got a show tonight with, um, you know, it'll, it'll be long. This will air long after. But, you know, me, doing our mile, Blake Anthony, Waffles, my homie Wolf Tone. Oh, where is this at? This is at Cafe Racer tonight. Feel oh, free yeah. to come through, yo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's at Doors at 8. And um, Remember Face is also playing. They want to leave you guys out. These are people I've been playing shows with as long as I lived in Seattle. They taught, they, they tossed me tons of alley-oops. This mm-hmm. is the first show I ever got uh, asked to throw. So I wanted to return the favor, you know. So yeah. it's a great lineup. After that, I got another vinyl coming out with uh, another record label that, like we were talking about, you know, I have my digital, but we can mm-hmm. still partner with other record labels for my project called Hundred Year Darkness, produced by a Small Professor out of Philadelphia, and um, working on a self-produced project. Hopefully, to get that out, that's gonna be the first release on Know What I Mean Incorporated, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully, I might get that out August ish, and then um, you know, whatever comes with that. I'm just always gonna be either if I'm not rapping, I'm making beats. If I'm not making beats, I'm editing a video. If I'm not editing a video, I'm writing. You know, so just just more of that. There we go. You know what I'm saying? So you were also talking about like eventually wanting your own record label. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that for myself too, like a podcast network and a record mm-hmm. label, two different things. Um, but what what type of record label would you want? Would it be solely for hip hop or would it be mixed genres? Or have you ever thought I'd about that? I'd probably mix it up, you know. So there's a couple uh boutique record labels that I was able to get familiar with just being a student of the game. And it's just really about when you have a record label, kind of like a Crane City, it's yeah. more about curation. Yeah. You know, so I would constantly, I, but I think what I'm going to do for my record label is is really going to be my releases, but I'm going to produce from other for other people from time to time. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like my stuff, my self-produced stuff, but also every once in a while, I'm going to like scout talent yeah. and think about like artists I fuck with and then like do a project with them on my beats and digitally distribute it. But then, you mm-hmm. know, it's still their music. 
Uh, you could still go out and seek a Crane City and release your vinyls, but you know, I produced it, so I'm gonna have to get my, you know, we're just gonna split it down the middle. You know, it's nothing up front, but uh, I think I'm really just gonna use it as a way to curate artists over my production, including myself. Hell yeah. And I also feel like you're in a total different area of hip hop than I've interviewed really. Like I've yeah. interviewed Blake, of course, but mm -hmm. um, I'd like to have you like shout out some like artists you think I should look out for and oh, other yeah. people should look out for in the Seattle area. Okay, so in Seattle, it's like um anybody you really see me collaborating with. So on this uh vinyl album that we're dropping with Crane City, I have a bonus album of remixes. Mm -hmm. So it's the same album, but I had people I fuck with go and redo the beats. And then I have a posse cut at the end. And on the posse cut is like Greg. Greg Cypher's on the posse yeah, cut. Blake is on the Blake Anthony's on the posse cut. Uh Astral Trap from Tacoma. I don't okay. know if you fuck with him. Yeah, but yeah. you know, he 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 stays really consistent, you know. Uh do normal uh just just all these people that i've been that i've been grinding with since since i got here you know uh but of course as far as like people i want to i know you didn't ask but like just to name it off the top of the head i do want to eventually get some shit done with the ogs like uh nacho ish nacho might be doable though you know like um you you fuck you fuck with blue sky black death yeah yeah. So my last album was my the first album I dropped this year was dropped by was produced by Televangel. What are you doing tomorrow? The, tomorrow I'm around. Was good. Maybe you can come say hi to Nacho. I might pop up. I'll leave yeah. you know I'm in the area. But um, so Blue Sky Black Death did Exalted and Lord of the Flies, which is mm -hmm. uh, ten years old today, by the way. Wow. Not to age you, bro. But um, <laughs> so Televangel does my shit, and we're gonna start working on the sequel in August. I'm gonna go down to Portland like late August, and hopefully we might be able to get Nacho on that shit. You know, but um. And then other than that, you know, Shabazz. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you feel me? Shout outs to OC Notes, though, too. You feel me? Hell yeah. But yeah. And um, is there any final advice you'd like to give to artists, creators, influencers? Uh, Yo, just um, don't ever stop. And when you spend a you know, obviously, I'm not going to say spend a year, but when you whatever time you spend, whatever precious time you spend on a project, spend that same amount trying to promote it. Don't just, don't, uh you know, it's hard to keep that consistency of balance between spamming people and promoting music. That's important, you know? Mm -hmm. Keep finding new creative ways to promote your music. If you hit a wall for an album, you know, make a, shoot a video for a single, create an email list, uh keep finding new ways to roll the music out and don't give up on yourself so quickly. When you drop that project until you're ready for the next one, even if you space it out, keep on promoting keep shooting don't get discouraged and only do this shit if you really love it because if you don't you're gonna get discouraged yo if love is gonna make you persist you know there we go this has been and what's the easiest way for people to reach you everything aj suede on google aj s-u-e-d-e -E, you know there but we go. Uh, you know shout out to nas podcast for having me thank you blake hell yeah appreciate you it's been the nas podcast with aj suede the suede god darth suader in the building and we did it